Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today's, um, I'm going to be talking from Deuteronomy, and um, it's a fairly long a passage that I want to, to go through. Um, sometimes we can feel, oh, this is too long a passage, but I'll let you take that to God and ask him. Um, his word sometimes comes with instructions. It's, you know, it's, it's hard. And I feel today led to, to really preach on this, on God's sustaining word. That's never changing, never changing word. And what it has to say to the Israelites in Deuteronomy and what it has to speak to us now. I've asked Joe to actually do the reading for us. Morning, church. If you have your Bibles with you, it's Deuteronomy 31. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 down to verse 22 and then verse 30. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said, said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and sorry, that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them and you must divide it among them as, in, as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year for cancelling debts, During the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women and children and the aliens living in your towns so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it And learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. The Lord said to Moses, 
Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in the pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your fathers, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. On that day, I will become angry with them, and that day I will become angry, and I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them, and on that day they will ask, Have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and make them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised an oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and fry, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them, because it will not be forgotten by their descendants." I know what they are disposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land, I promise them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus. Father, we just pray, Lord, this, this word has, has, has fallen deep into our hearts and souls, Lord, and to, to change us forever, Lord, after this day, Lord. And we pray this in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's a, it's a in, in there is a tough passage about um, disaster and turning away from God. I could have called this tough talking or serious words, but I've called it diverting disaster um, because God is telling us here, telling his people what they could have, should have done to divert the disaster away from them. But if you thought that was a long chapter, the first 30 chapters were a sermon given by Moses to all of Israel. And that would have been a long sermon. That would have been a long Sunday day, wouldn't it? So feel for them But what I want to bring out this passage here today is what we need to do in these days now that are facing us. Now, whether we're a believer or not, most people would concur that the world is heading to the end. I speak to non-believers and they said, yeah, it's a gloomy place. It's, It's a countdown. It's finishing. We can't live like this forever. Everyone says it's, it's inevitable the world will end, whether you're a believer or not. It's not getting any better. The future is bleak without the Lord. 
So it is waiting for us. And this passage tells us what we can do to divert disaster away from ourselves and our families and our children. Now the world is forever changing, isn't it? And that's the only thing that is actually constant. We can predict that, can't we? Change is constant. It's the only thing that is constant. Technology is moving so quickly. I get lost with all these phones and iPads and all this. I just, I just can't be. It's too much. I want to. I look about buying a laptop, and I ain't got a clue which one to buy. This they're always changing. If I buy one, that one's out of date in two months. And I want. It's, it's technology is moving so fast. Change is good, as well. Living conditions have changed. Of course, we live much more comfortable lives. Health is important. We thank God for the hospitals and medical. Some wonderful improvements in medical over the years. Great change. Transport, perhaps. Of course, it's not free from any disaster, too, in transport, as we've seen recently. But transportation is better. Communication is better. We can communicate to people on the other side of the world now. Our families. So things are better in that way. But it's been 70 years this year since that first atomic bomb destroyed a whole city. Technology all of a sudden has the power to destroy cities in a second. Modern comforts can bring worries and concerns as well. Things are always changing. You know, I draw by hand. I'm a sort of traditional draftsman. And people say, look at my drawings sometimes, say, what software are you using? Oh, I said, I'm download- I've downloaded this software that God gave me at birth. It's called Natural Talent. And, uh, really? Yeah. And people say, why aren't you drawing by CAD machine? I said, look, I can't draw by CAD machine. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, that kind of thing. You, you learn what you learn. And um, sometimes we try to change things even when they're not broke. You heard that saying when, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But we try to constantly change and improve things, don't we? To make it better. Now, I can predict probably in the next five years there'll be more changes in the next five years than all of my life put together. Things change so quickly in a short space of time than the bigger time before. As I said, 70 years since the first bomb and how things have moved on since then. Languages change. Speech change, don't they? People are using different ways of expressing and talking to each other now, aren't they? Speaking in code, letters and things. I've got a few examples I just want to show just, just to engage. I've got number one there. L-O-L, lol. What is that? L-O-L, what is that? Lol. Laugh out loud. Laugh out loud. People are speaking in letters now and can't be bothered to say a sentence. Lol. When I first got this on a text message, I didn't understand. I sent it back. I said, what did you mean L-O-L? He goes, laugh out loud. Huh? Very funny. I didn't get it. As well as letters, people are using numbers now to describe to sentences. Number two, C-U-L-8-R. See you, see you later. Can you imagine these writers writing the Bible now? Full of numbers and letters. And number three, just quickly, number three, T-T-Y-L. Talk to you later. Well, I've got one, N-U-W. No, you won't. 
another one, number four, I've got number four, JCK. Who knows what JCK is? I've made this one up. Jesus Christ is King. <laughs> Jesus Christ is King. Tweet that. Right? Use that one. Tweet that one. New words are coming up, new expressions. Number five, we have sick. For me, that reminds me of food poisoning in Cuba. But for some people, that means cool and chick. Dictionary would be a funny thing now, wouldn't it? Sick, great, sick, not well. If you were learning English, you'd be really confused, wouldn't you? And I've got another one here, selfie. The famous selfies coming up more and more. New words meaning to, to take photos of oneself with the congregation in the background. That's what it means. All these new words are coming up. Anyway, what has all this got to do with what I want to talk about and what we've read in the, in the passage? Well, things are changing aren't they, all the time. It's, it's crazy. It's bonkers. And the Israelite nation at this point is going through a massive change themselves. The biggest change they've ever experienced. Biggest change. God is warning them what they need to do in this change of their future right now and their future generations. They're going to see things they've never experienced and seen before. How to keep their eyes and guard their hearts in these changes. We need to do the same. What we can learn from them. How to stay focused on God His word, that's never changed. That's always been here (laughs) during our incredible, busy, changing lives. Israel have been 400 years, four centuries in slavery. 400 years rescued by God. And then in one single generation, left slavery, became tourists, conquerors of land, and now they're about to become farmers of their own land. In one generation. Massive change in their lives. That's all they've known. Now they've got to do all this. To, to learn how to manage all this. Moses was 40 years their leader. And now he was about to leave the scene. He was about to leave. God had called him. All the people knew was Moses. That's all they knew. Verses 1 to 3. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. And I'm no longer able to lead you. I am now 120 years old. Pastor Ralph, you've got years to go. You're a young man. Hallelujah. You've got years. 120. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. And you will take possession of the land Joshua will cross ahead of you, as the Lord says. He's about to leave the scene. Verses 14. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And Verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your fathers. And these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I have made with them. Imagine the mood of Moses here, just being told that these people you've been leading for 40 years, they haven't listened to a word you've said. 
gutted. 40 years ago. Lord, they haven't listened to a word I've said for 40 years. I've preached, prayed, cried for them, knelt for them, ministered to them. And they're all turning away from you, Lord. Is that a waste of time? Perhaps that's a lesson for us. Perhaps we think there's family members who are never going to come to Christ. We're praying for them. Just keep going. Because who was watching Moses was Joshua. Joshua was witnessing the way Moses handled himself. He could have been at the crowd, but he kept his eyes on Moses as well. The way he was leading these people. The way he was faithful to God. Joshua was faithful. Keep faithful in witnessing. If you think this person you're trying to witness to isn't coming to Christ, someone's watching your faithfulness all the time. Someone is watching you, how you're loving them still. Even if they're still in sin or they're still rebellion, someone is watching you, how you're talking to these people. And they're being inspired, like Joshua was. He was inspired by Moses leading. Keep faithful in witnessing. When Peter Cavana, our previous pastor, left here a couple of years ago, we thought, no, you can't leave. You know, we just came here. We just we want you to stay. But alongside Peter was our current pastor, Philip Shaw, who was learning of, off him and a great man of God as well. God's plan is better. God takes the people away sometimes. We think the church is going to fall down because somebody's left. The same God is in charge of this building. The same God is in charge of King's Church. Whether it's Peter Cavana or Philip Shaw, the same God is there worshipping. He's the same God. Church leaders change, but the word of God never changes. Hallelujah. Come on. A new leader, Joshua. Verse 14. How do they cope with changing Israel? Unfortunately, they didn't do very well. How can we as Christians stay on our journey with the world constantly changing? A more rapid pace than ever before. As I say, mobile phone technology and all this modern communications. We can get sidetracked and spend hours on our new toys and just these silly games on the phones, can't we? I've been there and I've, I've had to download, uh, offload a few, not download. You know, it takes too much time. You're spending, it absorbs you. It absorbs you. The, the changes can make you want to stay there and take you away from God. And God's warning the Israelites, come back to the word. Come back to the word. To understand the world and the rapid pace it is on to self-destruct, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because he says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only one of the only constant, constant non-changing things that he can do. I mean, Jesus is incredible. Let's keep going through the changes. All these changes are going to go, it's going to get more and more. Let's keep going through the changes. Keep coming to church. Keep looking at the word of God. Keep your eyes fixed on the kingdom to understand why all these things are happening around us in the world. It's the only way. Do not forget. Remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. Verses 6, 7, and 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever you're going through. Verse 7. And Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Again, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers 
to give them. And you must divide it among them as the inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You're apprehensive about going into work tomorrow because of a certain person or a situation. The Lord goes before you. Give it to him. Do not be discouraged. The changes and difficulties will always come. But the word of God is the same. God is the same. The world changes. We must keep strong in the word and keep teaching the word of God. Keep teaching the word of God. It is serious to God. He reiterates how serious it is in verse 9. Let's read from verse 9. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year for cancelling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women and children, and the aliens. That means foreigners, not people from Mars. Living in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God. And follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Just want to note there in verse 11. I emphasize verse 11. At the place he will choose. He, God chooses. Sometimes we, we try and make God's decision for him. God, you will give me this. You will bless me with this. You will give me that. Will he? God, we try to make God in our image and God in. But God is God. It's when he chooses. And he chose the cross. That's why it's offensive to man sometimes. Because God chose the cross. He chose the cross. So when his son hung there and. God chose that. And when he turned his face away from his son, and his son was screaming out, Dad, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? He turned away because of our sin upon his son. He chose. He chose. In this passage, God is so keen for children to hear the word of God. And even more so in a generation where things are so tempting of the world perhaps it's not cool to read the word of God as a teenager or a young person now but God is so keen for us to make sure our children hear the word of God to sow the seed to sow the seed we need to expose our children to Christian way of living to sow the seed and let that let God take care of the rest we can offer our children to the hands of God, do our best as parents to sow the seed, and God take care of the rest. We need to spend time with Christians in churches, in Christian families, so they can experience the love, the, uh, the, the honesty, the, the genuinity, you know, the time spent with fellow Christians. I remember a few years ago when our children first went to summer camps, they came back, and things were happening in the world, and my elder says, We've just been in this week where it's been wonderful, this presence of God and community. And now we're back here and 
these things are happening. So when the more time you're spending in camps and this time of year, many people are away on summer camps and uh, new wine festivals and all these kind of things for Jesus. You come back, it gives you the energy then, doesn't it, to, to live in this world where things are so difficult. Sometimes we need to take our children out of their blessed way of life to help others. Whether it's a sponsored child, writing letters, sending gifts, helping in charity shops or whatever it may be. We need to expose them to their blessed way of life to show how others are living. And I pray that when this church, really the glory of God manifests in this place, we should expose our children to it. To suck in the atmosphere of good God's goodness. I know examples, I've heard stories of where God's manifestation of his spirit has just poured into a building. And they bring the children in just to see it, to see his glory. We need to expose our children to this so they can, wow, God is real. I remember Pastor Phil giving me an example. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. He's in Greece. He's a long way away. He went to a Tesco's and he had his two sons with him. And they saw a man with a really short leg. Really, he was, he was really wobbling. And, and to cut a long story short, he, he sat him down and, and Pastor Phil held his legs out. And one was two inches shorter. He had a hip displacement and all this kind of thing. And he got his two sons to explain to the, we've seen legs grow in our church. The father looking at the two sons, what? Well, these are the children. He said, they're exposed to God's glory. And again, they witness a miracle before their eyes. And the man is astounded. That was very recently. Exposing our children to God's glory. That will always stay with them. It will always be there. Did that leg really grow? Wow, it really did. There is something about this. God is real. In these days, there were no bookshops. There was no Christian literature. There was no tracks. It was done by oral tradition. The word was always recited around to remember them. And orally, that's when they remember all the miracles of what God did. You know, when they're talking about the miracles and the salvation from Egypt. Can you imagine a grandfather with a grandson around in Israel? And uh, I love this when, you, when grandchildren can ask their you know, dads and that. Also, granddad, what was, what was happening in Egypt? Tell me that story again, granddad. Well, there was this man of God, Moses. And he... He was sent by God to rescue us. Really, Granddad? Then what happened? Well, he led us out of Egypt. And we came to the Red Sea. Really, Granddad? Then what happened? Well, it was amazing. The Egyptian army was closing in. But Moses brew his staff, threw it into the beach, and the seas parted. Whoa, Granddad, really? Amazing miracle from God. The sea rose. It was a mile high. We see the fish. See the, it was amazing. And we walked through the sea, incredible, to the other side. Then what happened, Granddad? Well, the Egyptian army came into the sea after us. <gasps> Did they catch up, Granddad? No, because Moses raised his arms and God crashed the sea over the Egyptians. Not one was left. <gasps> wow, Granddad's a miracle. It was a miracle, son. Amazing, amazing miracle from God. Amazing, what a God. Yes, Granddad. So why are you worshipping Asherah pole? The sinful heart. We can easily forget. 
Why is that? Such a miracle. How can you witness that and then suddenly just... I don't, it's hard, the sinful heart of man. How hard are our hearts? We need to keep meeting. We need to keep reading. We need not to be distracted with the things of the world. We need to keep focused. We can, of course, we've got to engage with these things. Of course, we have our mobiles. We need to engage and use them wisely. But not let them become an idol, not let them become too much. You know, that's, to be honest, that's why I don't have Facebook. Because I just, I knew, I, I, I'm not disciplined enough. I'm just not disciplined enough to have such a media at this moment. I just need to be more stronger in the Lord. I just cannot have that at the moment. I remember a newspaper clip on the tube in, in the underground. And you get these bite-sized little lines. And why aren't there dinosaurs in the Bible? Well, get a dinosaur book. Why, why uh, I don't need an old book to tell me to live my life. I need rhyme and reason. Really, it's the heart is a deceiving thing. Without God's spirit in that heart, it can deceive. It can deceive us. We need to be obedient to God's word. Keep it at the center. Keep remembering what God's done for us. We need to heed his warnings and lessons. Because disobedience will bring disaster. Disobedience will bring disaster. Verse 14. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I commissioned him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your fathers. And these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. On that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them. And on that day, they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. I just want to reiterate verse 16. You were going to rest with your fathers and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land that you are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant. You know, we seek God's favors in many ways. We, we say, Lord, give me a house. Lord, give me a job. And, and we get super spiritual sometimes when we need things. And, um, but then we, when we receive, sometimes we, then we turn our back, just like these people, like the Israelites. You know, they enter the land of milk and honey. In verse 19. When I have, verse 20, when I brought them into the land flown with milk and honey, that means riches, and I promised them an oath to their forefathers. And when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. It's easily done. It's easily done to forget God, what he's done in our, and then we say, well, it was our hands who did it really. You know, we, we pray for a miracle in our house. But then we can use rhyme and reason afterwards. Well, it's actually my job and 
the money I saved and, you know, the, the landlord was a nice guy. He gave us, no, it's God. God does the miracle. God does the miracle. You know, we know people put, who have cancer and illness, they come and we pray for them many times and they come to meetings, they get healed and then they don't come back again to the prayer meetings or to church. It's easily done. Our hearts are hard. Then we slip back again. Then we ring the emergency hotline again. And it's only then do we seek God when we need something. God deserves our calling all the time. Our praises all the time. You know, when you, I know some people have seen manifestations of God's presence. Gold dust. How can you forget gold dust, you know? And I wrote in my Bible where the Lord a couple of years ago sprayed my Bible with gold dust. It's amazing. I think it was 1st of March 2013, in a couple of pages of Isaiah. Gold dust manifested. And I felt the Lord's voice say, because you gave the day to me, here's just a glimpse of my glory. How can you forget that? Oh, Lord, let's try and picture that mind, that moment when supernaturally something happened from heaven to, to me, a sinner, saved by grace. Perhaps sometimes that's why God withholds blessing. Perhaps. He knows that if we had blessed us with things, we would turn our hearts away. He's waiting something else from yourselves to really give everything to God. Put him number one. So you can handle the blessing in the right context and the way it should be handled as a blessing from God. And you can thank God for that blessing all the time because you know he's number one. Not let our hearts get hardened. I have a slide um, that shows a pattern of history, really, of how nations um, have changed over the years. Um, at the top, we have bondage, and nations in bondage. Then they go for a spiritual faith growth. And that gives them courage. It gives them liberty. When they're free, they get abundance. Then comes selfishness, complacency, apathy, back to dependence, and back to bondage. How many recognize that is of the UK at the moment or America or other free countries? Israel was in slavery, was in bondage. God heard their cry, gave them the courage to give them freedom. They had abundance in their milk and honey. Then they turned to other gods. And again, I've come back into bondage many times after this story. Where are we in that cycle? There is a real threat of a country or a city being wiped out by terrorist bombs and warfare. But the truth also be said, its future lies in ruins because of its debauchery and complacency of oneself, sin. Isn't it? We can. Our own complacency of living just for the... Our self, living for just 
in our own minds and forgetting it's all about others as well and about God. He's given us this. We can destroy it from internal. A Dr. Carl Zimmerman in 1947, he wrote a text called Family and Civilization. Now he identified 11 symptoms of final decay. I'll just run through the list really quickly. That was observed during the Greek and Roman empires. Now, just, just run through these quickly. Number one was no fault divorce. I want to see how many you think that we're going through as a country now, as a nation. No fault divorce. No one's responsible anymore. Number two, a birth dearth. Increased disrespect for parenthood and parents. Families are getting strained. People are living further apart. And families are straining now, aren't they? Number three, we have meaningless marriage rites and ceremonies. Number four, defamation of past national heroes. Five, acceptance of alternative marriage form. That's on the increase, hugely in this country. Number six, we have widespread attitudes of feminism, narcissism, and hedonism. Selfishness, living for oneself is the way to live. Pleasure is the most, is the God. Number seven, propagation of anti-family sentiment. It's coming less and less of our family surroundings now. Number eight, acceptance of most forms of adultery. I've heard and seen uh, reports of things of websites encouraging adultery to improve one's marriage. I've seen it. And there's a hush website as well where you can do it all in secret. Number nine, rebellious children. Number ten, increased juvenile delinquency. Number 11, common acceptance of all forms of sexual perversion and not what God intended it to be, which is beautiful and pure. When a country attributes its foundations to God and he is the honoured guest, we can expect blessing. America hugely gave the glory to God in its early years. Presidents loved God, worshipped God. God was everywhere on monuments, on statues in their allegiance everywhere. America was blessed. This country was blessed too. The same in our homes. If he's the honoured guest in your home, you'll be blessed. The peace of God will be in your home. But remove him, remove him, you can expect blessings to fade. Proverbs 14.34. 14.34 Proverbs says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns its people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people in the NIV. So countries have honoured God in the past. In America, there have been lawsuits now being issued to remove the under God from the pledges of allegiance. Bless you. And there's a monument in Washington, I think, where there's a God motto right on the top. And then they had a similar scaled model down below so people can read it. And it was in God we trust. And then there was complaints. They had to turn it around so it wasn't visible. 
Then there was a counter complaint from the Christians and they turned it back. This is where we're at. Teachers can't express their faith wearing crosses and Christmas and Easter are replaced with season's greetings. God is being pushed out. In this country, we have a national anthem, don't we? God save the queen. Hallelujah. That's why she's had a long life, because God is saving her. And when England won the cricket ashes, and that was a miracle, they play the English song, Jerusalem. I wonder how many of those who sung it that day really understand the meaning of it. I wonder how long before there's counters against saying, oh, we shouldn't have God save the queen. It's something else save the queen or the king. The sin of the human heart. He knows what we're like. And to end this word, at the end of the reading, we read God instructing Moses to write down the words of a song. In Deuteronomy 32, is a whole chapter of a song. We won't read it now. But it's a song to testify what they're doing, what Israelites are doing to God and what God is going to be doing to them. As a testimony of where they're at. He reminds the Israelites of what he has done for them. Where he's taken them from. What he's saved them from. What he's blessed them with. And also what they've turned back, what they've fallen for, what idols they've fallen for, what sin they're falling into. Verse 19. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land, flown of milk and honey, into blessings, The land I promised them on oath to their forefathers. And when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And verse 30. And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. This is why we... Sing songs to remind us of what God has done for us. Not some nice little cheerful sing song on a Sunday morning, however good that is. But it's to remind us of what God has really done. It's so true what he has done. He knows our hearts. He knows we need a saviour. We can't save ourselves because we will turn to other gods. We will turn to the temptations of the world. We will get lulled into technology and just that becomes our idol he knows our hearts he knows what we're like that's why his words constant teach the word to your children sow the seed he chose the cross and when his son went on that cross jesus says dad where are you why have you forsaken me lord God didn't say a thing. He turned his face away. As he said in this chapter we just read. I will turn my face away from their wickedness and their sin. He turned his face away from his own son. Because upon his shoulders was our sin. Our sinful hearts. Our debauchery. I acknowledge and I give thanks when people say. Steve you're a nice guy. Thank you. 
But it's not me. In my heart, I'm a sinner. I still make mistakes. I still struggle. But whatever you see, it's the love of Jesus. To be more like him. Before Jesus came into my life, I was in the darkness. Yes, I was in the land of milk and honey, but I was in the darkness. And when he sent his son on the cross, and Father turned his face away, it was for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. Abba, Father. Eloi, Eloi, Sabakathani. Why have you forsaken me? Thank you, Jesus. And that's why we write songs today. Over the years, some amazing songs, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How beautiful. And how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just stand and, and just focus on God now this moment and say, Lord, I don't want to forget you, Jesus. I don't want to forget you, Lord. I don't want to forget you, God. Forgive me, Lord, when I've put other things first. Help me, Lord, to keep focused on you. If I keep my eyes focused on you, I'll understand all the stuff that's going on around me in the world. You will understand what's going on if you put your eyes on the kingdom. Things are changing. Becoming more dangerous. The suffering's increasing in the world. Keep our eyes on Jesus. How deep the Father's love for us. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.